Hello and welcome to the CMG Podcast with me, Tony Cantwell. I'm pretty sure we can all recite stories of poor customer service, but we can probably also recite stories of fantastic customer service. And the payback is that if we receive a great customer experience, we go back again and again and again. But how do we develop and keep that positive experience for our customers consistently? How do we encourage our people to be better ambassadors for the company or organization? Shane Kenny is a graduate of the Shannon Hotel Management School. He went on to work in the famous Willard Hotel in Washington, and he has worked in restaurants and the hospitality sector, both in the USA and then back home to Ireland. Shane, you're very welcome to the podcast. And thank you so much for having me. Uh, let me just jump straight in. How would you rate the customer service or customer experience in Ireland today, generally across the board? I think, firstly, we need to look at how traditionally it's always been seen. Um, we've always been the country of welcomes. Um, Cade Mila Falcia, we've always been that country that's, uh, if you like, hospitality-focused. Hospitality um, and so, and I think we've drifted away, for sure, from that. Um, Celtic Tiger era did it, and, and, and any time that we're overexposed for being too busy, um, the industry gets too busy, and I'm talking purely about hospitality for the moment. But it, it's anywhere that's service-orientated. Mm. Um, and it's, it's the difficulty getting your hands on really good people and then how you, how you train them up and then how you keep them and, and treat them well and the environment that you surround them in. So I think we're doing okay, but I think you know, we need to reach out a bit harder and reach within ourselves as organizations. Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think even the recent issue with the coronavirus and pandemic and all that has it's been tough to provide that great customer experience in, in that environment as well, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's tested all of us. Um, it's tested hospitals. It's tested, yeah. you know, industries right across the board. And, and that's where I think, you know, the, the element of coming together really has, you know, it's really helped us, this teamwork, this element of teaming rather than just teamwork, you know, where on the spot teams are formed. Um, and it's almost like crisis teams come together because they have to. Mm. And you see that on a really busy night in a restaurant where nothing goes according to plan, um, but everything works out. Yeah. Um, and in a hospital, and the, the last few months have been awful. Um, and it's just to hear how people have coped, have they come together. Yeah. We, yeah. And how do you mean when, you say, for instance, like in, a, in the restaurant, when everything that can go wrong goes wrong, but it still ultimately comes b- back together again? How do you account for that? How does that? Because sometimes it doesn't. It, sometimes yeah. it, it, it can be a disaster after disaster. Yeah. It's how you cope with it on the spot. It's the people you've got with you. And it's the trust that's there among your staff. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I guess in a restaurant, you've got two elements. You've got the kitchen. You've got front of house, um, all the floor staff and the front of house manager. And you've got in the kitchen, you've got your chefs, your chef de partie. You're all your, your main guys. And there is a division. There is us and them, no matter what. But in the restaurant? Absolutely, yeah, okay. there is. I mean, there always will be, because chefs um, are remarkably skillful um, individuals. Um, they're artists. They see themselves that way, and they are quite quirky. Um, but under pressure, they work remarkably well. And together, they work even better. And you know, for years, I used to think, as an owner of the restaurant, I used to think, these guys are amazing, and look what they're doing for me as the owner. Um, but you know, in fairness, they were doing it for each other. It's kind of like, mar- it's kind of like Marines. Mm. Um, the Marine Corps are trained to support each other to the very last. 
the exact same for chefs. I mean, they will we'll end up doing more and more covers than we were than we sought out to. Um, mm. Where the food came from at, at the end of some nights, I'm looking. They're going, how did you guys do that? They just make it happen, and it's that cutting edge. It's the cream. It's the it's the really end part that makes it special. You can't plan for that. And it's funny though with the the whole thing of the chefs and 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 that there's a reputational issue that goes with the food they deliver as well. So I imagine they're also self motivated because yeah. it's reflective on them, isn't it? Yeah. Is there an element to that? Is is it that's slightly separate? I mean, front of house, you kind of go to a restaurant because the food's going to be so good, or but the service is also excellent. Yeah, so th- this is lovely. I, I mean, I do like this piece that you're getting into because for me, you know, I've always found the best restaurants are on recommendations. They're referrals, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're, or you've been on holidays or vacation and you've been told, you got to go to this place down the lane, da, da, da. it's not somewhere advertised, and you go, wow, that was just spectacular. For me, people return to the restaurant experience um, for hospitality. And the difference between hospitality and service is service is done to you. Hospitality is done for you. Hospitality is the caring. Hospitality exists in all of our industries, mm. but obviously we call it hospitality in our industry of hotels and restaurants because of the hospitalitarian style um, way we, we treat each other. But people go back for people. They go back for what they just experienced. Absolutely. It, there, why would there be a string of restaurants uh, on a block and they're all somewhat similar? They've got excellent furnishings. Um, they're, you know, they've got amazing, fantastic menus fantastic chefs they're executing the food why is that one restaurant busier Monday to Thursday and the others are just busy Thursday to Sunday it's because you know the maitre d' looks after that you know they can't they they don't forget people they remember what they had last week the year before that remember people's birthday Um, and if he doesn't do it his staff does it and so for me, it's it's the it's putting employees first. Putting that makes a second. massive difference to a customer coming in. They feel appreciated. They feel welcomed and they feel almost if they went. I won't say if they went somewhere else, they'd be a little disloyal. But they, if they would measure it against that, mm. any, any other experience against that great experience, wouldn't they? Without a shadow of a doubt. And you can handpick in Ireland today and even through the, the last recession, 2008, 9, 10, the ones that were still around, the ones that were busier than ever. It's because people just loyally went back. Mm-hmm. I opened Seapoint Restaurant in 2008, July 2nd. About two, three months later, a financial crisis kicked in and it was just death by a thousand slashes for restaurants and the hotel business. It was just, you know, Monday to Wednesday, Thursday just didn't exist. People couldn't go out. They just didn't go out. But it was our busiest time. The mm-hmm. first four or five years was our best time. Um, we really looked after people. We, we looked after ourselves. Um, the staff looked after themselves. And that showed. People loved going into a place that was, how should I put it, um, they could feel really nice, positive, was caring th- energy. Was that instinctive in you or had you trained f- to, to focus in on that at that time? Again, going back to your original question, Tony, about how, and if, you know, how are we doing with our customer service? I think it's instinctive in Ireland. I think it's an Irish thing. We, when I lived in Washington, and every now and again I, I, I'd fly home or I'd fly back, back and forth, and I'd meet Americans at the airport on the way to Ireland, let's say, and I'd say, God, you've never been to Ireland. You know, you're going to pay for your hotel. You're going to pay for your flight. You're going to pay for all these things, and they're tangible. You're gonna, you're gonna, but what you're not going to experience, if I see you two weeks later and I go interview, you're going to wonder what was, the, what was that all about? And it is that 
we can stop somebody in the street. We can go into a restaurant and people put their arm on you. It's that invisible sense mm. of caring. It's that intangible. Yeah. Um, had I got it instinctively, I think I did at home uh, through my yeah. family restaurant, my dad, my father's restaurant growing up. Yeah. For so sure. you had that in you going in. You went in with that yeah. plan, that yeah. agenda. Let me jump onto something. You mentioned psychologically safe culture. You would like to introduce that into the workplace. What does that mean? And how do you go about that? Yeah, so first of all, for the last maybe three years since um, since the, I, re- I closed the restaurant in 2017, and for the last about a year before that, um, I went back to school. I part-time studied in UCC um, relationship mentoring or uh, co-creative psychotherapy-based relationship mentoring, which ended up being very much um, psycholo- uh, psychological safety in the workplace orientated. And I really started to love it because it was almost the next phase of what was most important. And that is asking the question, not just in the hospitality industry, but right across the board. What is it that makes great teams? What is it that makes, at the end, really good atmosphere among employees, uh, organizations? And really, it's, it's instilling or encouraging psychological safety. The challenge is getting into organizations um, with these big words and saying, But hey, what does that mean, psychological so safety? So if you've got a psychologically safe environment or culture in your business, in your organization, you've given freedom for people to speak up mm-hmm. um, There's without being ridiculed. People come in, they look forward to going to work. They can make a mistake and not feel, they feel a making a mistake is, is, dynam- is, is gold nuggets. Yeah. It's exactly what they need. So creativity, innovation thrives. Um, people are encouraged to come out and speak up. How easy is it to stay quiet in a workplace? How easy is it to say nothing at all? Nobody got fired for saying nothing. Mm. Um, whereas, if you sit around a table, a boardroom table, or even reaching out to employees, you always can see the ones, hear the ones that just, just feel safer to say nothing. And they're the ones you want to bring out, you know, um, on an everyday basis. Yes. Um, you know, and it could be in a hospital. Maybe there's a nurse doing her rounds late at night and she's on her own and, and she's got medication to, to give out. And maybe she feels, you know what, there's something up here. There's something wrong. What's going on? I'd like to question this. I'd like to say, you know, mm. you know, this is not right. And this is for the, the good of the, of the patient. Maybe it's a pilot and a co-pilot. Maybe there's a situation happens. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I imagine it's difficult um, in establishments that they have clear protocol, difficult to break. Um, old school. Old school. Yeah. There's an element there of like for training purposes, we do a lot on uh, change management mm. and the change has to be emotional as well as structurally. Absolutely. And it's in that. But you find a lot of organizations that maybe this is how we've always done it Mm -hmm. and we're not inclined to change. Or there might even be on the other end of that spectrum, which is stop mollycoddling the staff Mm -hmm. and leave them alone. Sure. And and using these big words, as you said, and just let them get on with their job. Um, So how do you you look at that and approach that and say... I think it's, I mean, it's got to start with the CEO. It's got to start at boardroom mm. level. And it's got to start with the want to and the need to try and say, hey, it's emotional intelligence. And we've heard this mm. before. It's EQ. It's, it's those five principles. And the first two are huge. Three involving empathy, self-awareness um, and self-regulation. So, you know, it's, it's empowering people to, to be self-aware for mm. themselves so that it's okay no matter what way. And you can come in feeling, that's why I say even, I quote Danny Meyer, um, he's a renowned restaurateur from, from New York. 
he wrote a book called Setting the Table. And, you know, he, he talked about what is it that's had him so busy? And he talked, like I said earlier on, it's really about treating your, your, your employees before your, your customers, mm. putting, you know, making them feel safe, making sure that if they come in and they have an off day, it's OK. We're here for you. And, and there is support that there's safe psychological support as well as physical support. Um, everywhere has got physical safety these days. Yeah. No one's going to fall over and break an arm. Yeah, absolutely. But who's there to encourage people to be vulnerable? Who's there to encourage people to step into that emotional safe? Well, you were saying this, and I'm going to jump around a little bit and come back to some of these. But from the restaurant point of view, did you have a ping moment when you decided I want to do more of this customer experience and mm -hmm. the psychological culture in an organization. Did you have that ping moment and say, I'm wrapping up this and I'm going out to bigger and better things? Yeah, you know what? I mean, there were moments, there were stages. I went off, I did a workshop with Danny Meyer in mm -hmm. New York. Um, he, had a, he had a company called Hospitality Quotient. And so it was a week long workshop. And uh, I came back afterwards after a week. Um, this is 2012, don't forget. We're still at the height of the recession. Mm. You know, Monday to Thursday business is tough in a, in a suburban restaurant. But I looked at my team and I still had five, nearly six, six chefs in the kitchen, full on salaries. And, and I said, guys, you know, we're going to take this. You know, if someone's going to take a hit, well, let's take it together. Um, let's not be, you know, dropping people, firing people, letting people go. How, what can we do to, mm. to go down together? And, you know, and so on. Um, so we came up with a situation where I, I said, OK, if we all drop by 15%, if we all drop our wage by 15%, everybody stays, nobody goes. Um, I suggested it to my head chef at the time. I said, what do you think? And I said, he said, what's the alternative? I said, the alternative is that, unfortunately, we may have to let one of the guys in the kitchen go. And he unfortunately said to me, and, and in front of all his guys, he said, well, let, let that guy go. Wow. And I felt really disappointed. And I felt really, you know, I felt, wow. Now, we voted to drop by 15%. He dropped his salary, we all dropped, and, with, and, and the guy stayed on. Mm. And I felt, you know what, there are other ways. It, it's not about, and that's why you've got this furloughing now. You've got, there are other ways um, of, of just simply letting people go. And there are, yeah, there's a time and a place. Mm. I get that. Mm. But not while people, top directors, uh, shareholders, stakeholders are taking massive dividends. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can all sit down together and go, okay, let's get through this period. And you'll find with the organizations like Barry Ray Miller in the US, uh, led by uh, Barry, um, Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman, thank you, that they did exact that. And mm. they were just you know, fantastic in that. And, and at the beginning, by the way, Tony, it was really difficult because a lot of people stood up and said, they questioned the trust. What's this all about? This is not what you just said. This is not the way it's been, you know. Mm. Um, How do you actually, on a practical level, let's say in a, in a manufacturing environment, what are the steps? I mean, if you, if you say you like the concept and you want to value people's input much more than you have been, hmm. What steps do you take? What what are the practical steps you take and you or sit and look and say, right, we need to change the following. How do we how do we move it from a concept to practical? I think that the strongest thing is to give everybody a voice, um, and, you know, whoever they are, because there's people who, like I said earlier, there's people who are there who don't say anything for the longest time, mm. who, who are probably the most innovative, 
um, but they're just left there because they're not at that table. So allowing people to speak up, allowing people to sit down. Um, have more participation in how the business and organisation operates. As much as possible. Yeah. Um, and just see in, in every way, free time, time off, um, flexibility and so on. So the people actually look forward to coming into work. Um, I think that um, Bob is Chap- there much sorry Shane I'm just thinking <coughs> is there much I don't know what statistics are but the satisfaction levels of people in work say in Ireland is it do you know is it good or is it average or is it below par or well, the, the, how do we the, rate you know a great question we'd ask if people really look forward to coming into work in the morning you know yeah. um, I did some work with a company and you know and I asked the, the Simon Sinek question um do you love your work? Mm. Um, and the answer I got back was, you know, I love this work. I don't love my job. Mm. And so that was kind of sad. And I think uh, to get people to, you're not going to get people jumping out of bed in the morning, all of people, but you get people looking forward to hang out with people mm. so that, you know, there is a camaraderie. There is that sense of, of teamwork and team togetherness. Yeah. Um, is that more, is, does that lend itself more to the, I know in the United States they would call it the blue collar worker, but uh, the manufacturing and does it lend itself more to that? Because you can see also like it's difficult with trends in remote working mm. and or or can you apply it to that? I think it, I think it has to apply to everywhere that has even even hospitals and service industries yeah. as well intangibles, um, and it's and it's about leadership. Yeah. It's about changing leadership from the top, and you know. For instance, having a circular table to sit down at, rather than just having one guy at the top, and being all-encompassing, incorporating. You know, I've seen, I've been in some businesses where the CEO is like Bono; he's like a rock star. You don't see him, and when people see him, it's like, wow, is he in today? Um, rather than somebody who's who's really there, who's consciously part of the business. Mm. Um, I think the Mayo Clinic actually turned around uh, just in a recent study and research said that more important than your local GP for your health is your next in line manager. So the relationship you have at work with your manager, how good you feel at work. Um, wives and partners and husbands and so on of people working at Barry Waymiller years later said, I don't know what's happened, but my partners are coming home happy. We've a less, it's, so he's, he's feeling more responsible for people at home as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's more healthy. The relationships are, are, you know, coming together. It's a, it's a much better environment. I was going to ask you. Um, I was going to throw a curveball at you and say, how would you, how would that apply, say, to the construction sector? But I remember on one of these podcasts we had um, a business, a company, in run by two very progressive guys who were very involved with their staff in the sense that there would be mentoring, there would be coaching, but there's a lot of um, camaraderie in the system mm. and the, even the way you address each other and how you talk to each other and even requests and he, 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 to, he told me on the podcast there was a situation where somebody talked to one of the staff and said um, a new person have that for me and have it in by two o'clock sharp mm. and he overheard this and he addressed and said that's not really the way we talk to each other mm-hmm. here and this was in Dublin mm. in Ireland and that podcast or that in that podcast he was making this point that later on the person who was spoken to that way came to him and said I had a conversation this morning with somebody and the way they spoke and he said I know I heard 
and have dealt with it. Well done, it won't yeah. happen again. Yeah. And that's in the construction sector. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you can look at sectors and you can think, well, <coughs> that'll apply to a cake shop, but it's not going to apply to the construction sector. But it can it applies right across the board. I, I believe there's interpersonal relationships. Mm. It's an interpersonal relationship environment. Um, um, like I, I think it's you know, psychologically safe environments for me are not flu- they're not. It's not about having a fluffy, nice, huggy environment. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's about having a candid, direct, straight environment where we can collaborate. Mm. Collaboration is about sitting down. I sit opposite a table from you, and guess what? I've got my truths and you've got your truths. And it's about how much I'm going to let go but buy into what you've got. Mm. You asked earlier on, how would I instill? Listening. Mm. The, the, the first and foremost, you know, characteristic in great leadership is listening before speaking. So being curious rather than asking, you know, rather than making statements, ask questions. How do you deal with a situation? And I'm going to be... I hope you don't think you're going to be too light on this or whatever, but you're sitting around with a group and Bob has an idea, but it's the most ridiculous idea in the world. Fantastic. And then the following week there is, um, okay, let's discuss more, and Bob has another idea. Fantastic. (laughs) It's like, Bob, stop talking. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. And how do you encourage that? Because Bob has two or three ideas and Mm. they're really not flying at the minute. And maybe the confidence issue, I'm not going to give any more. I'm not going to suggest. So obviously the culture has to be behind that to encourage you to keep coming at it. Yeah, because, you know, maybe just by Bob's so-called ideas and his coming forward, it's going to still encourage others. So however silly and trivial maybe Bob's ideas are you know they need to come keep coming because other people around him on the team in the organization will feel you know what if Bob can say stuff that sounds like that you know what I think that's great maybe I can now too and maybe that's the suggestion that's yeah be. so it's it's not about what I say myself it's about what encourages others to do in the, the, the there's a YouTube video um, made on the book everybody matters and it references in the video, I think it's Bob Chapman again in the video, and he references, um, or the the video references, Mm -hmm. things like poor leadership, lack of trust, lack of recognition, and this doozy, office politics. Now, they're seen as real obstacles to how people can develop and, you know, valuing people and mindful of their participation. how do you deal with those? Are there, are there, how do you approach dealing with that? And poor leadership, okay, that's probably a, a, a question all in its own. But the office politics, lack of recognition of people there. Um, gossip. Gossip. Yeah. I mean, it's an awful, they're killers. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it doesn't matter where, and, and it's funny, it's not just, I know I'm going to sound sexist here, but it's women and men. It's it's human beings. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it's the way we are. And, and it's, and it and it's another element of emotional intelligence. It's it's what are they saying about me right now? Mm. How you know, in many ways it's the mask I need to wear to appear acceptable, you know? Yeah. So you really good strong leadership identifies this and sees the person who maybe is not coming out of themselves. And brings that out. And brings it. it out. How do we stop gossip? How do we stop backbiting? The office politics. It's a great way. You you sit down everybody and you say to them, Guys, I wonder um, if you if you'd like to have an environment, do you think this goes on? Do you think we have backbiting? Do you think we have gossip? And for the most part, people will say yes. 
we, we probably do. Would you like to con- would you like this to continue? No. Okay. So those who'd like to sign up to maybe six months of just sign up to six months of there being no more backbiting, call it backbiting, call it gossip, call it whatever old mm. school. Let's do it. Let's start it now and check in every now and again, every week. I mean, people need to be checked in on, mm. not just left to their own. And I think it's important to to really check in on people, the ones that feel alone, the ones that feel slow or down. And I think you're from a sales background, aren't mm. you? Yep. Like very much sales. Absolutely. Old school in sales. Old school sales. So tell me old school in sales. Let me throw them back if I'm allowed to. Yeah, yeah, you? absolutely. You're not meeting your numbers, Tony. Never have This last quarter. To, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so the numbers didn't look quite good this yeah, quarter, this yeah. month. You know, what's going on? I mean, I guess the old school way of doing that is like, you know, next quarter, I'm going to give you two more quarters. As a matter of fact, I'm giving you one more quarter, but I'm going to tell you I'm giving you two more quarters. Mm. And then we're going to have to sit down really seriously and talk. That's the old school. The new school, I guess, is what? what is it put an arm around and say, hey, what's going on? Is everything OK for you at home? Is mm. I can see happening? that. I can see that. And in fact, I remember when I started the business going back many years ago, mm. many, many years ago, um, you became, I was, a, almost a counsellor as well because you'd know maybe somebody has a talent. So Bob has this great talent and suddenly he's off and he's plummeting and he's just not doing the business. Mm. It's not his talent. His talent didn't go away. Yeah. Something else has happened. Sure. So you'd be clued in to have a look at that. But I think a lot of that actually happens Mm. in the world. You know, I think there's, I think maybe sometimes there's a label put on it, but people maybe are just doing it anyway. I think before you went to study that, you were doing that in the restaurant? Absolutely. And and when I I felt I couldn't, um, you know, it came to a stage where I said, okay, you know, we've got, I think he calls it uh, skunking. You know, he yeah. is what he calls, you know, somebody in your group and um, Danny Meyer calls it in, in, in his business. And, and if you've got that person who just can't, you need to call that person out. And, and, and otherwise it does, it will spread throughout the environment. Absolutely. You, know? you um, say also that leadership belongs to all members of the organization, not just the person at the top. So how does that, I have a rough idea how that works, but in case I'm wrong, uh, how does that well, it's it's a buy-in, right? It's it's the fact that, you know, no matter what somebody's on or what their title is, um, the ownership, the feeling of ownership, the stakeholders yes. are the ones who are present in the business. Would you agree? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know that because call it Christmas party or whatever the office get-together is, th- that's when it really shines. And I think we, we talked about restaurants earlier on. One of the things people go back for as well now more and more is that unacceptability of you know the so-called celebrity chef that we feel we have in our kitchen and how he treats interns how Mm. he treats students because everybody's got young kids now these days who are getting first jobs in restaurants and you'd like to think they're going to be emotionally held that there's going to be safety for them Mm. whoever or wherever they go that they don't just have to go and it's a rite of passage and be knocked around Mm. kids aren't accepting it these days I was going to say that that I don't think people accept that anymore I think the Gordon Ramsay School yeah. of... I was going to uh, say his name, but I can't yeah. back, yeah. No, 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 but the Gordon Ramsay School, just because of what you see on TV, where he'll start throwing a, a few wobblers and uh, throwing things at people. Yeah. When I was in, when I was uh, um, back yeah. in my teenage years and I was working as a butcher, I had uh, some of the butchers throwing their knives sure. at me. Uh, and I was hung up 
on a on a hook in the freezer for an hour as part yeah. of my indoctrination to the whole process. Stuff that would never happen in today's world. Yeah. So I think the tolerance levels for for that, and I, I think particularly with young people, mm. they do come to a business or an organization and are very clued into how does this business make me feel? You know, or yeah. how does this organization make me feel? There's, there's, a, there's a great new guy. There's a guy called, I guess, a thought leader, um, a guy called Jacob Morgan. Mm. And he wrote a book called The Future Future Leader and what it looks like in 10 years time, 2030. Um, and and he says it in an interview in a podcast. And I, I totally buy into this, whereby in the future and even now more and more kids, young people um, are going to be looking for places that really suit them to work in. Mm that they really feel I want to aspire within this organization rather than you probably remember years ago having to go for that interview for that job and really having to speak. You're going for an interview to be interviewed. Now kids or younger people, young professionals, I'd like to think are going to interview the person for that job because this person really wants the best person, mm. you know, and if you are most suited, guess what? You'll you'll meet your person, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when I look at particularly young people coming in, but not necessarily young people. I think on the landscape of today's world, the commercial world in particular, I think there's a lot more um, coaching, mentoring. Um, I think there's a lot more awareness of um, mental health issues Mm -hmm. now. Um, And I think those aspects are coming into people's day-to-day business now. So that it's, I mean, I remember going back a few years when somebody suggested they were going to put a um, yoga room okay. in the, not not our business, but in another mm-hmm. business that I'd heard of that they were going to do this. And it went all over social media as the greatest joke ever. If you're going to put this yoga room. In. Sure. But now, actually, it's 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 not it that unusual. It's in it, those places where you can go and yeah. chill and relax. And, you know, and you need to set set the example. I mean, that's yeah. where the the leader, the owner, the the manager, whoever it is there, the, the, the quicker they get onto stuff like this, the better. Mental health is now well-being, you know, yes. and unfortunately, some organizations well-being program might involve putting in a, a coffee machine or putting in, you know, snack bar machine, which isn't right. It's about time out. It's about taking time out from what you do. And a really, so I'll give you a really good strategy is a small meditation called, you know, using the mantra release. So we all have transitions throughout our day. You get up in the morning from the moment you, you know, leave home to come into the, into the office and, you know, be, between meetings, you might leave one meeting. Instead of going straight on, full on into the next meeting, what might you do? You might sit still. You know, I'm talking about minutes here. Mm. Close your eyes and a form of meditation. Just, just say the words release, release. You're releasing everything that belonged to that last meeting. It's, let it, it's being let go. Now you want to set the action, set what's going to happen for the next one. What's your intention? So spend the next minute or two closing your eyes, set the intention. So I'm about to meet, you know, John Blogg. I'm going to meet him next door. What's it going to be about? So set that intention. Mm. So you, there is that, and to encourage that. Otherwise, fatigue sets in. People don't leave their desk. They have lunch at desk. You know, that's not right. Yeah. A few years ago, you wrote for um, Taste magazine, if you remember. Uh, you said, for any successful organization to provide the best service or experience, the only way was through the people throughout the business or the organization. And it was vital we take care of each other. You said this requires emotional intelligence. And you went on to say, 
you need to have emotional self-awareness, empathy, optimism, and respect. Just tell me a little bit about it. I know we did touch on the emotional self-awareness. Empathy, optimism, respect. I mean, empathy is, is being used a lot now, isn't it? And I would nearly qualify it again by saying compassion. Mm. Um, by whatever the instance that happens throughout your day, whether somebody's in your team or you've got a customer, um, that you empathize with them, that you put yourself, that you're not going to feel sorry for them, but you really feel empathy. Mm. You, you're compassion. You put yourself into that person's position um, and hear them out. Good, strong listening, active listening. And active listening is just not done still in organizations. You get people who go into a conversation and and, I, and, I, and I've been accused and I've done it. I'm, I've got two kids, two girls now, 18 and 21. We talked the other day about it and it's uh, about how I would come in and, and just not listen. And kids especially will let you know very fast. Oh, yeah. And they're the best yeah. teachers. And uh, with empathy, it's it's with active listening, it's fantastic because you have to engage. Stop everything else. Sit and be with that person. Let them really tell them tell them your story. And in story tells all. Somebody's story in life. Mm. For me to sit down and, and ask somebody who I've met for the first time, tell me about yourself. Mm. I watch their eyes light up. I mean, my dad's 86. I'm only now beginning to ask him questions that he's surprised he remembers um, about his upbringing. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I know this is going on to other topics, but that's very important for older people today mm. to have a voice and have an ear to be Absolutely. able to tell a story, to Absolutely. spend time with older people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if we can spend time understanding older people then, and younger people, and then do we get lost in between? Mm. And the in between is our 30s, 40s, 50s, where, where most need, of your time is in business or, or work need, or, or whatever. And, and we're striving for that destination rather than, yeah, you've heard it before, it's cliche, the journey. Mm. Just going, you know what, let's just just appreciate this moment, this time, this every day. And I suppose respect ties into that. Optimism. Yeah, I mean, Simon Sinek says a little bit of optimism. I mean, you know, your day won't be filled with super positive stuff every day. Mm. But if you've got a little bit of optimism, just a glimmer of finishing up. I was in pure sales uh, myself years ago. I, I sold freight forwarding in the US for, for a period. And I did car sales because I had to. I had to go through that. And um, it was so such an experience. Um, and my boss at the time told me, you know what, a little bit of optimism here. I'll tell you what you might do. Finish up your day with your favorite client. No matter what happens, just go back to that old client. It might be a piece of optimism that because you feel, you know, no matter what happens, I'll rest my head knowing that I've, I've got a friend out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm looking at this and I think to myself <coughs> that generally... Um, it sounds like there's mindfulness is very much part of what's going on in, in the world in general. There's a huge uptake in mm -hmm. meditation and so forth. And then all of these other issues that surround that. How does all of that translate to the business world, to the customer experience, to all of these mm -hmm. aspects? How does it relate back to the... Well, the mindfulness part, I guess, is... Is, is just encouraging ourselves first because I think uh, if we bring in the word relationship um, it's all relationship um, if, if somebody's involved in numbers and sales it's about networking and relationships it's about first of all the relationship with ourselves mm. so if you encompass some mindfulness and relationships it's about how best I relate to myself the most important relationship I have in my life is the one I have with myself so we are most important for many years and then we 
start heading off into the world and we think of everybody else but ourselves and mindfulness slows it all down. It just allows ourselves to stop and do things that little bit slower. Um, be careful with what we say. Be impeccable with your word because everything you say is, is quite likely going to manifest. You mm. know, it's, it's, it's the words we use. Did yeah. you really mean symbolically? What does that mean when you said that? And, and you know, or if you listen to the words and slow it down. And then not to take things personally. Let's face it, people will say things mm. um, and they won't always be hurtful. Um, maybe they will be sometimes, but it's, it's a decision we have ourselves. Who knows where they're coming from? Who knows what they're going through Absolutely. today? Absolutely. So if we just stop it, slow it down and go, OK, I, you know, I bless everything that's been said there and stop it and go, OK, I need to look after myself here before it reaches and goes deep down. Mm. Um, and quite likely, they're not saying anything about me or talking about me. It's all of, about myself. And how does that relate then going to the customer, going to the client experience from a business or an organization, whether it's a hospital and it's doctors and nurses or whether it's somebody at the counter serving or whether it's um, a company in the construction sector or SMEs or whatever. How does that or how would you expect to relate that to relate to the end? I would hope, I would imagine. Um, that and my dream is that if we um, allow ourselves to be treated really well by ourselves, by our teams, by ourselves first. So the, the self we wake up in the morning and, and choose to treat with the food we put into our mouth, the nutrition, the exercise we take, the time out we take is a huge knock on to the person we meet. So, yeah, how will it knock on for customer experience? I guarantee you that the patients we look after um, the customers we look for and all of that experience is only going to be tenfold positive so long as we look after ourselves mm. and the people around us because that'll just knock on. Because you're coming across in that experience. Sure. Let's face it, leadership, parenting, they're the exact same. Mm. So how we lead our lives from a very young age as a parent and our children looking at us and we set the example is paramount to exactly how those kids head out into the world. It's a self-esteem issue. Yes. It's all about, at the end of the day, it's, and, you know, birds of feather flock together. Self-esteem, high self-esteem come together, low self-esteem. But we have a choice. We've always got a choice. Mm. Um, As we come towards the end of the mm. podcast, Shane, I want to ask you about these. You've got a four-step plan. ShaneKenny.com is the website. So you have a four-step plan to try and bring out the best in an organization. And you reference it as inclusion, learner, contributor, and challenger. Um, tell us a little bit briefly about those. So again, it's to do with psychological safety. Um, yeah. and, it, and it helps um, to know that if we're going to be, if we're going to include, um, we, we need to be all encompassing. We need to bring people on board. So if we've got ideas for the future and the present, guess what? We've, we've got to really bring people to our ideas and, and share theirs as well. Um, that's where learning comes in straight away. We can learn from each other, mm. you know. Um, and give me your third one. Contributor. Yeah, so we, we've got to contribute, all of us. Yeah. And if we don't have contributors within the organization, um, we can't move on to the last one, which Challenger. is, which yeah. is allowing ourselves to challenge each other um, back and forth every day, candidly, but with the best possible, you know, outcome. 
looking at, I just looking at this here, there's there's no doubt that a great customer experience adds real value to the product or the service, or um, and it comes from the people who produce that. Um, I'm for, uh, just taking me now. I'm fortunate to be working with some of the best people in the sector, um, and I, they become passionate when they talk about the company. They're passionate about the clients. They talk to us about issues here that we could look to improve and so forth and are always uh, considered and taken on board. But we never actually sat down and discussed this with them. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more like us out there who are that way. It's just, I think, on the basis of we're all people. And if you have respect for the people you work with and you treat yep. them in that way, the way you'd like to be treated, yep. which goes back, I remember being told by my parents, you know, treat people the way you'd like to be treated. And it kind of comes back to those basic home issues, but sure. just with a few more elements of focus on it. Is that? Yeah, I mean, the great um, psychologist, um, if you like, Gabor Mate, a Hungarian-Canadian, um, talks about from zero to three. Um, that's when we are being formed. That's when everything happens from zero to three years old. The law of attachment is, is very important um, and the exact same now. So it's stuff like what you just remembered. You remember things that you pick up on and the influencers in life. But, you know, we all bring our own story. Mm. And so to understand that we sit down at a table, whoever we'd like to influence, um, we need to try and, I guess, bring people's story on board. If, if you allow somebody to sit down in your team and tell their story of their life, of experiences, people just open up. But when they're not being asked to open up, they'll just do their stuff every day, check in, check out every day. Yeah. And then there's no innovation, there's no creativity, and quite likely no really progressive moving forward. I think young people have a lower tolerance for that than we would have done when we started out. You take what you're given and you deal with that sure. and you either judge the company based on what you see and experience and you either like it mm -hmm. or you move on. Now I think um, younger people, young professionals, they look at it now and they say, no, this isn't for me. This doesn't make me feel good. They swipe, yeah. And they, yeah, and they, <laughs> and they, yeah. And they move on. And it, everything now is a revolution. You mm. see on the streets in the US, everything is, there's no evolution where it's slow. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek talks about in business too we ought to be infinite in our mindset not finite because when you play a game of football there'll be result after 90 minutes right um, the game is over the game is not over in business the game keeps going on so it's we relentless. don't it's relentless it's continuous you come in every day so you know what we might lose something this week but we'll get it back next week mm. but we'll still be there um, and, and, and it's and it's infinite so people need to be supported by each other. No, we'll come back. That's another rival of ours. We've mm. lost out today, but we'll get back. And so finally, just looking at this, Shane, if somebody contacted you and said, listen, I heard you on that podcast and I'd like you to come in and have a look at our organization, what would be, generally speaking, the first steps that you'd look at doing in an organization? Finding out about the people involved, right, the culture that's present. So for sure, sitting down like this, and, uh, and just having a good chat and finding out what the challenges are because mm -hmm. there's challenges everywhere. Um, just a very quick story. Um, one of my first waiter jobs, I was 18 working in America. I went over for a summer and I was trying to get a job and I was a bit late arriving for that job. Most of the jobs in the summer in Cape Cod were gone and I walked into this one restaurant, eventually tired after a few days of looking for any job at all. 
and uh, I got a job eventually as a, a washer-upper, a kitchen porter, as well as working on the floor. And I had already worked at my father's restaurant, and I was 18 at this stage. And the guy said, look, we're f- we've got enough people working for us. We're done. We're good. And, and I said to him, and I looked over his shoulder, and he had a busy lunch just gone by. And I, all the tables were full but dirty. Everybody's gone. And I said, I have a question to ask you. If you don't need anybody, why have you got so many dirty tables? You need to get these tables clean, and I can do that for you. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, OK, you can start. When can you start? And he said, I said straight away. Um, I guess you tease out challenges. Mm. There's always something happening. Um, and just work off positives and bring the best people together yeah. and bring everybody collective, you know. Shane, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks so much for Likewise. coming in. Thanks for having me. Oh, Dan. where can people find you? Um, on LinkedIn, for LinkedIn. sure. Shane um, Kenny. Yeah, and uh, you've got my details. Shane, Shane at hospitalityaware.ie. Yeah, we'll put those in links. Yeah, thank below. you. Really Thanks appreciate very that. much. Shane, good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Until next time.